Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any info on our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right, we're uh, nearing the end of our month of prayer and fasting, and tonight is the what? Prayer Summit. That's great. So this weekend, we're going back to the basics, and we're going to interrupt that amazing uh, Revelation series that Pastor Chris is taking us through. We're going back to the basics, and we're going to talk about prayer, specifically uh, keep on asking. The Holy Spirit wants to inspire us, I believe, this weekend to keep on praying for the rest of the year. So even though we're at the end of the uh, month of prayer and fasting and now the, uh, the prayer summit, I believe the Holy Spirit has been whispering and saying, I want this to become a year of asking. Amen? And so that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says that. So Jesus taught them three lessons on prayer. And the first one was the, what we term the Lord's Prayer. It's really a template or pattern prayer. It's not an exhaustive list by any means. And, uh, and then after that uh, came two more pieces that he taught on prayer, and we're going to touch on them just briefly in this message as well. Um, now, let's go back to the Lord's Prayer, not an exhaustive list. It was a simple tool to help them to remember how and guide them through their praying. And through its six-category requests or asks, Jesus taught us that at its core, prayer is essentially asking. At its core, yes, there are other things that come out of it. You start praying, and he starts directing. You're listening, and he and because he, you're asking, you're receiving answers to prayer. You become thankful, and there's gratitude and worship, and all these kinds of things. But at its core, Jesus taught us, and he's the authority on it. When they asked him to uh, ask them how they should pray, he said, "There's six requests." Uh, that you can use as a guideline, and here they are. Ask for God's name to be hallowed. Your kingdom come, your will be done, is the second one. Ask for God's will to be done on earth. Ask for our daily bread, our needs. Ask for daily forgiveness. Ask for protection in trials. Then Jesus taught them. Next, he moved on from there, and he taught them how, how much the Father desires to answer our requests or our prayers. And, and this is the second of the three lessons. We'll come to the first one uh, in just a bit. But here's the parable that he gave, and I put a little bit of a, uh, a diagram up there because it is really difficult to follow what's going on there because three people are referred to as friend, three, three different people. And so I, I'm hoping that's going to help you a little bit, make it simpler. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, that's the host, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, the sleeper, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine, that's the guest, on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside, the sleeper, answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, Middle Eastern hospitality is legendary, a guest is not just a guest of one home, but of the entire village. And uh, so a guest must leave with a good feeling about the village's hospitality because their reputation is at stake. 
So in this story, the guest arrived at the host's home late in the evening, but the host had nothing adequate to give him. So uh, when the host went to the sleeping neighbor, the host was simply asking the sleeper to fulfill his duty to the guest of the community or the village. And it was just, it was, it was expected that he would respond in a positive way. Refusal was unthinkable. So Jesus continued the parable. And can you imagine that the neighbor offers such silly excuses about sleeping children and barred doors? And uh, this scenario is so unthinkable that it's hum humorous to the listeners, not to us. Because our culture is so individualistic. We don't think in a commu community mindset. And so we hardly get what he's getting at. But I want you to put yourself in their culture, which is very community uh, and very communal. And uh, to them, the whole thing just seemed bizarre. <laughs> because there's no way that sleeper would stay there. It might happen in our culture, but never in their culture. So uh, Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, and I have a big question mark there, or shame, well, I, I put shamelessness in there, um, because of his, his shamelessness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. You know, with only one exception from ancient Greek in the Septuagint, the Greek word there, uh, anadia, uh, translated persistence in a lot of our uh, translation, is translated as a negative shame, never persistence, except for one time. Uh, persistence doesn't even make sense culturally because a guest in the Middle East wouldn't have had to ask but once. So he's talking about shamelessness here. Now, what's he getting at? If the, if the sleeper refused the request of anything as humble as a loaf of bread, the host would continue his rounds to the other uh, homes, and, uh, but he would be cursing the stinginess of the one sleeper. And he would be telling everybody else in the village about, the, about that character over in that home. And the next day, when the sleeper would be up and going about the village, they would be pointing at him and talking about him and crying, shame, shame on you, because the shame you've brought on our, that you didn't help us in, the shame you're, you're, you're allowing to come upon our village, shame on you. And so the whole point is, uh, the sleeper wouldn't do such a thing because he wants to avoid being shamed. So he'll rise and grant the request even if he doesn't feel like it because he doesn't want to be shamed. Then Jesus brought the point of the lesson home. So I say to you, uh, Jesus was going from the lesser to the greater, a rabbinical way of arguing. And uh, he, he was saying, if, if this sleeper who's afraid of being shamed will get up and give what is asked, how much more will your heavenly Father who loves you dearly give you everything you request? Do you see what he's saying? And then he continues, and he says, So I say to you, he concludes then, ask, and it's in the present uh, uh, imperative, meaning 
Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. He who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. Wow. Keep on asking. That's what the Father wants us to do because he desires to answer your prayers and my prayers. Do you believe that? Not just intellectually, but do you believe it? Well, there are several boundary markers for answered prayers that we find in, in the first teaching, which is the Lord's Prayer, that pattern prayer, if you like. And there's simple boundary markers for what we can ask of the Father, and they're implicit in the Lord's Prayer. The first one is, it must not dishonor God. So, Father, hallowed be your name. So we can't pray and ask Him for something that would dishonor Him. Um, marker two, it must not impede progress of his kingdom purposes. Jesus instructed us to pray, your kingdom come. So we can't ask him for things that would impede or hinder the progress of God's kingdom. True? That makes sense. And then these are implicit in there, but they're there. They give us nice boundary markers for how we can pray, what we can all pray for, which really is a lot. And the third one, it must not hurt us ultimately and lead us not into temptation. Those are tests that overwhelm us or hurt us. And Jesus expanded on this one in the third part of his teaching. So if we continue uh, in verse number 11, this entire passage we're looking at is verses 1 to 13. But in the third teaching on prayer, he said, Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, <laughs> there it goes again, will your heavenly Father give good gifts, or in this case, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In Matthew, it says good gifts. Here it says the Holy Spirit. Um, if sinful human fathers wouldn't give bad or hurtful gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father not give uh, bad gifts to you. In fact, he'll give you his best gift, the Holy Spirit. Now, that's interesting because Paul had said something similar, only he said it about God the Son. He said, he who did not spare his own, what? Son, how will he not uh, also along with him, what? Graciously, what? Give us all things when we ask, Right? Now, Luke says something very similar. Uh, he wrote the book of Acts as well, and he was writing post-Pentecost. In other words, Pentecost had already happened when he wrote this. And so, because he was the one who wrote about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, a lot about the Holy Spirit, he inserts Holy Spirit in here. How will he not then give us his best gift, which is the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit? So if God the Father won't withhold His own Son and His own Holy Spirit from us, how much more will He, then, then, he, then He'll give us everything else too. Don't you agree? If, if He'll give us the best, He'll certainly give us what's less. Yes. All that's encouraging, isn't it? But don't forget, sometimes giving us what is best for, uh, for us may mean that it 
that he must withhold something we've asked for. And there's something else we need to be crystal clear about. That's the problem with this message on prayer. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many offshoots. You really need a series on, on, uh, on this. But um, when we say that God will give us that which will not hurt us, we are not saying that it isn't God's will for us to suffer in this lifetime. That's not what we're saying. Don't allow something bad to happen to us. That's not what the prayer is talking about here. On the contrary, God often allows such things in our lives to grow us personally so that it results in much fruit and reward for eternity, and that's why I included the word ultimately in that statement, in the condition above, or the marker. For example, three times Paul asked the Lord to remove the thorn in his flesh, but the Lord said he had something in better had something better in mind. Paul asked for the thorn to be removed. Do you think that's a legitimate request, yes or no? Would that fit in the, within the confines of the markers, of those three markers, yes or no? Yes. Well, <laughs> in Paul's case, God knew something about Paul that Paul didn't know himself, and so though Paul thought he was asking for something within those three markers, Ultimately, the third marker, God knew he was beyond that marker, and if he took the thorn away, it would cause Paul to become conceited. If Paul became conceited because of the surpassing great revelations that were given to him, I mean, mean, he wrote much of the New Testament, uh, then, then he's going to lose his reward. Is that true? His eternal reward. And so God knew that the request would end up putting Paul outside the third marker. And so God instead said no. And he even told Paul the reason for it. Now, God doesn't always tell you why you're going through a test or why you're going through a difficult or why he won't answer your prayers. Often he will, not always, but often, and often it's after the fact or, you know, in hindsight we begin to see it. He allows us to see it that way. In this case, at some point, he told Paul, this is why I allowed this to happen. You're outside the marker and you don't know it. And so I'm going to keep it there. Now, the reason is, and I've often said this before, and I'll keep saying it, the Lord cares more about the line of your eternity and mine than the dot of the present. Isn't it true? He cares, and he understands that. And so he knew that this would be in Paul's best interest and that Paul would understand it. And Paul did. Paul said, oh, I'm so glad that he did it that way. I mean, he wasn't glad for the thorn, but he was glad that he was back inside the marker. Think about it. Paul is now 2,000 years. Think about it. Paul is now over 2,000 years old. Have you ever thought of that? (laughs) He's over 2,000 years old. And don't you think that thorn is just a faint memory for him now? Huh? He pleaded with God. It must have been something awful. It's a faint memory now. You know, when Fran was in labor many years ago, I remember during one, she said, I don't want to have this baby. And the the nurse replied, it's a little late for that, don't you think, dearie? (laughs) But a couple of weeks after all that pain, she was so ecstatic about the baby that she told me she wanted to have another one. (laughs) Figure that, eh? Though the pain was very real, the memory had already faded. And 
She thought the child was worth it, and Paul did too. He said, for our light and momentary troubles, or ESV says afflictions, that's better, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's look at, some, at, at the types of prayers that God promises to answer. We're going to look at three types. And uh, he, he talks to us about needs. And in the Lord's Prayer, we have, you know, give us this day our daily bread. He, he said that, that's a category kind of request. And we can pray for our daily needs, whatever they are. I'm going to share just a couple of illustrations along the way from my own uh, life, not because they're better than any of yours. I'm, in fact, I'm not going to take some of the bigger ones. I'm going to take some of the, uh, the simple ones because God wants to answer prayers. And I want us to focus on that fact and get really, really get back to asking and asking and asking and asking. True? Uh, years ago, I was, uh, uh, we, had, we had been called to Woodstock, we were going to plant a church there, and we took our family of six, and uh, we got there, we didn't have a house, but that's, a, that's, a whole, that's the big story. But, now I'm going to tell you a little piece uh, of it. We didn't have, not only did we not have income, we didn't have a car. And, um, and so we wanted to go to this meeting one night uh, at, a, at a church in, uh, I think it was in Aylmer something like that, maybe an hour, hour away or something like that, 45 minutes, and there was a man that I'd led to Christ, and he owned, his name was Peter, and he had a two-door Honda Accord, brand new. And he offered to drive our family there. So can you imagine a two-door Honda Accord packed with three adults and four kids? And that's how we went to this meeting in Aylmer. And uh, after the meeting a man came up to us and uh, he said, do you need a car? And we said, yes, we need a car. He said, well, I, uh, I, I think the Lord told me I was supposed to bring two vehicles to the, to the service tonight, so I asked my wife to bring one of our vehicles and I drove the other one. And uh, till you get a vehicle, you can drive one of these. And it was a very big car, it had lots of room. And so he gave the keys to the car and we went back and we kept continued to pray. Oh, God, please give us a car. God, you know we need a car, and you promised you were going uh, to meet our needs, and so we know that you will. We expect that you're going to do it. And then one day as I was praying, I, it occurred to me that we had a car. <laughs> now, it didn't belong to us, but we were driving a car. And also I thought, well, what's wrong with this car? Except that it belonged to that man. And uh, I thought, well, this is a little presumptuous. How do I phone him? And Fran and I prayed about it. Yeah, yeah, this, the, I think this is the one he wants us to have. So I phoned him up, and I, I, said, uh, I, and I said, well, uh, you know, we've been praying for a car, and none seems to be coming our way, but we, we kind of like yours. Would you, <laughs> would you consider selling it? He's, he, he paused for a moment, and he said, well, uh, yeah, I think I would. Well, you just name the price, I said. I'm just praying. Name the price. I have nothing. And that's what I'm going to pay. I'm not going to quibble about this thing. He was silent for a moment and he said, well, do you, have, do you have two loonies? I said, I think I can manage to get two loonies. He said, all right, then I'll write up a bill of sale and uh, make sure you get me the two loonies. And then the car is yours. And he provided a daily need. God pro promises to provide for our needs. 
Isn't that true? He wouldn't tell us to ask for our daily bread, our daily needs, if he wasn't going to answer that. Is that true? Yes. So ask for your needs. All right, here's a, a second type, fruit-bearing. What was the context? If we, if we go to John chapter 15, and, uh, you know, that's the whole passage there, John uh, chapter 15, 1 to 7, I'm the true vine, the Father is the gardener, you know, all that. And we don't have time to go through the whole thing. I, it needs a whole message or two just on that passage. But you know what? Uh, when you get to verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, now listen to this, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Do you believe that? Oh, boy. Now, some of you are starting to shift a little nervously in your seat because this is starting to sound just a wee bit like prosperity gospel. No, I just read the Bible. Now, Kenneth Hagin, he, he translates it this way. If you remain in me and my, my words remain in you, demand whatever you wish. That's not what it says. It said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's prosperity gospel. Uh, but we can ask, you know why? Because, and you know why he could make a statement like that? And, and it will be done for you? It's a, it's a, it's a promise. It's a promise. Did Jesus say it? It's in red. It's a promise. Do you know why he could say it? Because the context of this passage is all about fruit. Seven, uh, six times in seven verses, it either uses the word fruit or fruitful, uh, fruit bearing or something like that, fruitfulness. Six times in seven verses. That The whole thing is about that. And just in the verse before, or two verses before, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much what? Fruit. That's to his glory. He wants us to bear much fruit. So if we're asking for things that will produce fruit bearing, do you think he's going to answer it, yes or no? The answer is absolutely yes. In fact, Try saying that with some emphasis. Absolutely yes. Absolutely. Look at that. Absolutely. He said that because he cares about bearing fruit. He cares about fruitfulness. So he really is going to answer those kinds of prayers. And, uh, of course, he has other conditions. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. And I'll, we'll come to that in just, just a moment, okay? But... Then what is this fruit? See, that's what you're wondering now. <laughs> it's vast and diverse. And what I'm going to say is just, just samplings. It is, it's infinite. Uh, but there's three categories that I'm going to use to narrow it down. Obvious ministry and church-related service, you know, like working in the nursery at church, greeter at the door, usher singing in the choir, preparing or serving food at a church for a weekend, prayer ministry, staff or board elder, giving generously, leading a cell, volunteers, a camp counselor, camp nurse, and food services, and on and on and on from low profile to high profile. It all counts because it's done with a heart to assist the kingdom, and that counts. So what is it that you need? As you're doing that, um, I needed um, 
many years ago when I was going to Bible college, and the Lord had called me to ministry, so I left my profession flying. And um, so now we had a family of six. I had to feed them. And so I needed a job, but I was going to school from 8 to 2, 8 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. And then the job that I got started at about 4, and it went like till 2 in the morning or something. By the time I got to bed, it was 3, 3.30. And then at, by 8 o'clock, I had to be at school already. Where do you study in there? That's why you're going to school, right? So where do you do your work? So I got this job at a place called Relmac. And I'd prayed and prayed, oh God, please, I need a job, but I need time to study. I don't know how you can bring those two together. And uh, so I, uh, here was a job opening in, uh, in Elmira. I went to it, Relmec, and the, and the general manager sat in his office, and he looked at my application, and he burst out laughing. He said, I'm not giving you this job. Well, I said, why not? He said, you're too overqualified. You'll never do this job. And I said, yes, I will. i got a family to feed, and i got to go to school. I will do the job. I he said, I know what you did. You're not going to... Yes, I will. He said, okay, I'm going to take you on the floor, and I'm going to show you. And they, they made... Um, they, made uh, they, they, they had these 5 and 10, 15, I don't know how, how big, ton presses, and they made molds, electrical molds you know, for, for components and stuff. Uh, but you had to mix it first with these powders, these dark black powders and resin, and it was... Filthy. I mean filthy. He said, you have no idea how filthy. Okay, he took me on the floor and he took me right. That's the job you're going to have. You're going to mix the stuff. You're not going to run the presses. You're going to mix the stuff. And he introduced me to a guy and he was black from top to, to, to foot. And I said, okay, I'll take the job. He said, what? You're going to take the job? Yes, I need a job. I'll do it. Finally, he said, okay, I'll give you the job. So I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then it got to Friday, and I was doing my job, and I was filthy every day. And on Friday, I was just beginning the shift, and he came to me and he said, Do you, uh, have you ever had any training in quality control? I said, no. Do you know anything about it? I said, no. All I know is that they usually walk around with white coats. <laughs> and I was black. And uh, he said, well, that's true. And they have little instruments, I said, and they measure things. Yes, that's, that's it. He said, are you interested in a job in that if we would train you? I said, yes. He said, you start Monday. I said, you're kidding. That's fantastic. He took me in the office. I couldn't even shake his hand because I was so filthy. And as I left, he said, oh, by the way, you just make rounds as a quality control inspector, and there are hours in between your inspections. So... I know you're going to school. If you want to study during those hours, you're welcome to do that. Answer to prayer? Does he answer prayers that have to do with advancing kingdom and fruit bearing? And the answer is absolutely. You might be a greeter at the door or something, and you, you pray in the morning before you go and greet. And I know some greeters have done this. And you pray and they say, oh God, I want you to, I, I want you to help me find that you know, bring the people that need somebody to encourage and be blessed today. Bring them through my door and show me who they are so that I can minister to them. Do you think God would answer a, quest, uh, a request like that? You bet he will. He absolutely, you can gu it's guaranteed, he will do it. Uh, that's what I love about uh, 
prayer. <laughs> wow. How about category two, personal growth, activities? I, I, well, we could spend a lot of time uh, there, uh, you know, just taking samples from that first category. The second category, Bible reading, memorization, prayer, fasting, intentionally growing our characters, you know, using the character tool and all that. We've talked lots about that. Why does God care about this? Because um, this kind of growth benefits marriages and families, it benefits communities, and it, and it benefits us for eternity. True? Lots of fruit comes from personal growth. So this one day, back, back in my Bible college days, I was uh, a pastor was, pray, uh, was preaching on Hebrews chapter 11. Something stirred powerfully on, in me, and I said, I want to, Lord, I would like to be like those kind of people he's talking about. I'd, I'd like to learn about faith. So next morning I came to the church. I had keys. I was, the, uh, I was a youth uh, pastor, unpaid, but I was pastoring nonetheless, and I, I went into the auditorium, and I started uh, marching up and down the dark auditorium, and I, I start begging God, God, teach me how to be a, a man of faith. I want to grow in faith. Oh, God, I want to... I, do you think he's going to answer prayer like that? And the answer is, absolutely yes. So two weeks later, not, you know, so that I wouldn't see the connection, I was praying in my basement, and once I got this nagging thought, you and Fran need to double your tithe. Wait a minute, we're students. We got six in our family. We can barely make ends meet. And he says, the Spirit says, I want you to double your tithe. I couldn't get away that day, the next day, the next Finally, I went up to Fran and I said, I sense the Lord is telling us. He wants us to double our tithe. It makes no sense. And uh, she, uh, she uh, loves the Lord so much as well. And she said, well, if God's telling us to do that, then that's what we're going to do. And so we started doubling our tithe. Guess what happened two weeks later? The, the, the company that I was working for at that time, not this Relmuck, but McGee Industries out of Elmira, they, went, uh, they, they shut down the entire plant. They were making farm equipment because the interest rate spiked over 20%. And so everybody was laid off, and we went home. I got home early, and she said, what's the matter? I said, we just all got laid off. And her first question was, what about the vow we made to God that we would double the tithe. Who? I hadn't even thought about that one. I said, well, I did some quick math. I'm not that quick at math, but this one was easy. 20% of zero is <laughs> zero. That's easy. So I said, that's easy. If he doesn't give us anything, he gets nothing. There we go. So, but guess what happened? Uh, for the next two months, I didn't have any work, and I tried, and I tried. I tried in, everywhere, but everybody was looking for jobs. And I didn't get any money from the government. We had nothing left in savings. We, we didn't have parents who had any money. And the Holy Spirit had told us we were not allowed to ask anyone for anything. We would have to rely totally on him. And do you know, at the end of the two months, I got that job at Romac, the one I just told you about, and at the end of those two months, we looked at our giving, and it had barely changed from what it was before. Because God started sending it through other people. He started speaking to other people, and they started sending checks. Oh, we just had a sense that we should send you some money. I don't know if you could use it. <laughs> oh, yes. 
He answers those prayers. When we want personal growth, He will answer the prayers. Absolutely, because He cares about fruit-bearing. There's a third category, daily work in Jesus' name. This includes all we do each day, intentionally in Jesus' name. These are the things we do for Jesus' sake and with kingdom progress specifically in mind. You know, like working overtime so you have more money to sponsor a, 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 a child for Bird River Bible Camp. Or let's say somebody wanted to do that. Do you think that God might answer a prayer like that? Yes. Or uh, sharing your testimony or gospel with someone at work or at the soccer pitch if you're asking he, he will give you that opportunity, or being a mentor to a boy who's lost his father, giving up a career to give full time to Christian work, or doubling your business to fund a ministry like church renewal, or uh, Southland, I mean. Do you want a guarantee that your fruit-bearing prayer will be answered exactly? Let's take it one step further. He says, because we said this in the context of fruit-bearing, so we talked about that a little bit. But then he says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. In verse 3 he says, uh, in verse 3 he says, you are already clean because of the word, that's logos, that I've spoken to you. But when he gets to verse 7, he changes it and he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And this is where in the first one, uh, I mean in the second one, verse 3, uh, he's talking about they were clean. He's talking about they were saved. That he, he was continuing using the same, the same kind of talk that he had uh, when he washed their feet and he talked about them being clean and he was talking about being saved or not saved. Okay? He's continuing that same talk and he says, you, do, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to. He's talking to the Logos, the body of truths that I've spoken to you, especially the body of truths on salvation, you have believed it and are already clean, this whole body. But when he gets to verse 7, he changes it, and he's now talking about something he says. He says, if you remain in me, and the reason he uses that is because by the time he gets to chapter 15, Judas has already left. Uh, they've already left the, the upper room. They've left Jerusalem. They're, they're going up in the Mount of Olives. And uh, uh, Judas has already left. He has not remained with them. Do you see what I'm saying? So he's saying, if you remain in me, not like Judas, and my words, these are the specific directive words that he sometimes speaks to us, and we can hear them. Those specific words, if he says, I want you to do that, like I want you to hire, uh, I'm just throwing, pulling something out of the air. I want you to hire somebody to be a director for church renewal uh, in Asia. If he says that to me, will he do that? Will, will he answer that prayer if I ask it? Yes or no? Yes. yes. That's a specific one. It's ironclad promise. He will do it. And that leads me to this point. You may want to come tonight and see and listen to a big development, a big answer from Church Renewal. <laughs> All right? And that's the same as saying, you know, in other places where it says anything according to his will. If we do anything according to his will, 
You know, anything that he has written that is his will and anything that he speaks to us directly as his will, we know that we have it. Or in Jesus' name. And so uh, that's a promise. Now you say, how about uh, praying for a lost son or daughter? Well, that's certainly about fruit bearing. But you say, now wait a minute, let's get seeing again. Just like that healing thing, we need a whole separate message on this. We really need a, a whole separate message just on this. But just... Just to help you very quickly, uh, a little bit at least, uh, you, when you pray for somebody, remember there's a will involved. Jesus will not violate a will. But he will answer many of the specific requests that you have if you ask for what I call step prayers. They are, you don't just say, God save my son, God save my son, God save my son. No, no. You say, depending on what the situation is, you might pray things like um, that you can reestablish communication relationship if that's been broken. Or maybe that he'll say yes to going to a hockey game with you or going for lunch. Or you will war in prayer against the enemy who has blinded him and, and ask God to take the blindness. Or you pray that God places the right person, a friend, sibling, co-worker, or employer in his path at work or school in his circle of friends. Or you pray that God will give you favor with him. That he'll, op- that he'll be willing to be open up to you. Or you listen in prayer for wisdom, ideas. And when the Spirit gives you an idea, you pray that and it's guaranteed it's going to happen. You, you will begin to see many prayers answered as he begins to take steps that lead toward Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's how you, I call them step prayers, for lack of any other better word. Here's here's a third kind of prayer, and it's personal wants. And I I didn't know, should I write often or sometimes? (laughs) He also answers a lot of our wants. Did you know that? He promises to answer some of those. And then on top of it, he answers a lot of the wants uh, as well. Uh, Because he loves us, he enjoys blessing us with good gifts just like we enjoy giving special gifts to our kids. And if we uh, ask for wrong or harmful things in our time of asking, he already, he already said, the Holy Spirit will already begin to correct us and speak to us and give us different desires and point us in a different direction. But for example, when a child, if one of your children comes to you and says, Mom and Dad, would you please, you know, let's say they're 14. Mom and Dad, would you please buy me a Bible? <laughs> What's the answer to that one? (laughs) Like, that's a no-brainer. If you don't have any money, you'll steal it. But you'll get them the Bible. (laughs) Right? You're going to get them the Bible. Or help to go to school of ministers. Are you kidding? Yes. We'll find a way. Money for camp. Eyeglasses, shoes, music lessons. The parent will bend over backwards and make sure they're going to get those kind of things. But then they come and uh, sometimes they have other kinds of requests. This is the second time. This is kind of like these personal wants. They want a video game. Well, maybe they haven't had one before. Well, maybe the answer, sometimes the answer is what? Yes. They've got 10 already in the last month. And the answer is probably, probably no. And, you know, then they want to have uh, ice cream. They want to go out with you for an ice cream or something. The answer is probably yes. But then they want it uh, 30 minutes before supper. And the answer is probably 
Yeah, see what I'm saying? That's how the Heavenly Father does. Because it's not good for him. Because other questions come into play. What is the cost? Is it good for them? Will it distract them from the schoolwork? Is it too close to dinner? You know, uh, Fran and I were on our 20, uh, we were coming up to our 25th wedding anniversary. She was very sick. It was right in the midst of that whole string of uh, brain surgeries that she had. And I was praying. I said, Lord, she's so sick and she can't go out of the house ever. And you know, our anniversary is coming up. Could you, could you do something? I've been, I've been fasting and praying. You won't heal her uh, because you have higher purposes, better purposes that we are going to be glad for. In fact, she was talking about that just the other day to me, and she was glad that God had allowed it. But uh, then um, I said, but could you do us a favor on the 25th anniversary? Could you make, give her one day where she's not sick? And that day came. I'll never forget it. She woke up and she said, I feel great. I said, would you like to go to Winnipeg for a date? She said, I would love that. And so I said, okay, we're going to go. And I already checked the movies. And I said, we're going to go watch a love story. Kind of a chick flick or something, you know. <laughs> and so we went and we watched a love story. We did. And we sat and held hands in the theater. And then we went to Cinnabon Park and we went for a walk. Then we went to the keg and we had supper. And after that I said, you're still feeling good? She said, yeah. And I said, would you like to go see another love story? She said, yes. So we went and saw another one. <laughs> and then we went home, had a wonderful drive home, and the next morning, she was sick again. Exactly the same. Our Heavenly Father often gives us wants because He just wants to tell us how much He loves us. Isn't that true? It really is. In fact, he wants to give us much more than we ask often. Tim was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. Often more and often better. Yes. Uh, you know, last year, during the prayer and fasting, 2018, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I, I want you to try something, uh, This do a little exercise, and I want you to record the answers to your prayers. And, I thought, oh, this is going to be a little onerous. I, I, my first entry was January the 7th, and I wasn't super faithful at it. Uh, you know, I, I, I did a bunch for the first couple of months, and it was kind of a on and off, but I, I recorded quite a few. And all at once, it started to really get into me, and I, I started recording them very seriously. And by the end of the year, I had recorded 527 answers to prayer. And in 55 pages. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, my, 527 answers like you got a million dollars each time or you got a brand new building or something. No, only a couple of those. But I got, <laughs> no, no, I mean in that category. <laughs> step, remember what I said about step prayers? Lots of those. Lots of step prayers that were answered. Lots of answers for wisdom. Lots of answers for direction. Lots of ideas and all of that kind of stuff. He gave lots of answers. So some of them, you know, if you were reading my journal, you wouldn't even be that impressed. Um, but the point is, he just wants to give and give and give. And you know, it did a lot for me. Uh, because it made me more grateful, it increased my faith, it inspired me to ask more, and it has made me more expectant. In fact, um, 
I was quite emotional as I read this the other day. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Do you know what I did? Uh, Two days ago, I was just leaving my prayer time and almost I was thinking about that verse again. And and I stopped. I was was giddy for just a second and I said, God, what are you going to answer today? What are you up to today? I can hardly wait to see what the answer is today. And so this year, when we started, I thought, well, I'm not going to do that exercise again. That was, uh, you know, that was a long exercise. And then the Holy Spirit gave me an idea, and he said, why don't you this year see if I answer at least one prayer every single day of the calendar? So, so far in January, uh, I have at least one, but I've got a long way to go, Right? So I better keep praying because if, if I don't, it's because I better keep asking because if I don't ask for anything, James says you don't have because you don't ask. Apparently he wants to give me some all year long and you too. And if you don't have a specific word from him on something, don't worry about it, ask away. And Pastor Chris once said this and I wrote it down. He said, if you ask for the wrong thing with the right heart, you will receive the right thing. Amen. Is that, a good, is that a good quote? And uh, that's the last time I'll credit him for that. I'm going to use it as my own from now on. <laughs> but it was great. So then why don't we pray? Well, we don't have, uh, uh, Pastor Vivian uh, uh, Fernandez of Mumbai, India, said, the greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. I think that is so true. That, that has really cu- captured me. I don't have time to go to, through all these reasons. Uh, I have four of them here. I'll only touch on the fourth one, but there's a cultural one, and there's a uh, worldview of naturalism one. There's a reaction against the prosperity gospel one. And there's, uh, but it's the last one that I'll touch on because that's all we're going to have time for, okay? When did Jesus talk to the disciples about fruit-bearing and prayer? You know when he did it? I mentioned it. He did it right after uh, they had eaten in the upper room and he had washed their feet and Judas had left to do his dirty deed. They, they left Jerusalem. They walked across Kidron Valley. I can still see it. And they walked up the Mount of Olives and the sun was setting and he, Jesus is teaching probably as he's walking because time is ticking. He's running out of time and he knows he's going to be arrested by the temple. The temple guard is coming very soon. And he's got a lot that he's trying to cram in that evening and he wants to make sure they get it. And right in the midst of that, he's teaching them about fruit bearing and he's saying to them, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He's teaching about prayer and he's teaching about fruit bearing and all of this. Do you know when he does it? He does it knowing full well that in just a couple of hours, every one of them is going to abandon him. Not only that, he knows full well that Peter is going to deny him three times. In fact, he told Peter that. He knows full well what's going to happen and with full knowledge of their major failure that was about to come, he says to them, you're going to bear a lot of fruit and 
in the midst of that, as I, you, if you remain in me and my words remain, my specific words remain in you, and if you're going to be doing fruit bearing, you ask whatever you like, and I'm telling you with an ironclad promise, I will answer your prayers. I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer you. Big time. I don't know if that speaks to anybody here tonight or this morning. You're saying, you know, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a big spiritual giant. No. Neither were they. Neither am I. Neither is Pastor Chris. None of us are. We all have failures and foibles. All of us. And we've all failed. And God says, because nobody abides perfectly. Nobody. And God says in the middle of it, Jesus says in the middle of it, I want to answer your prayers. And you say, um, but you don't understand. God won't answer mine because I'm really dirty. I'm a, I'm a big failure. You don't understand. I'm not like all the rest of the failures around me. I ruined everything. I'm not worthy. I'm ashamed. Listen up. If you've repented of your failure, he longs to have you back like the prodigal, and he longs to answer your prayers too. So, I say to you, keep on asking, and it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, keeps on asking receives. He who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. This is true in two ways. If you keep on asking, seeking, and knocking, persistence, you get an answer. But God also wants us to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking because he has an unfathomable vast storehouse packed with riches that are waiting to be given to those who ask. And so he says, keep on asking. May this year, 2019, be a year marked of asking. Tonight's the prayer summit, 6 to 8. We're going to pray for your personal requests from your prayer and fasting cards. And if you didn't Put one on a card. You come anyway because you have requests. And uh, we're going to pray for personal requests tonight. And uh, we will also have time for, if we have time, we're going to also do some healing prayer. We're going to pray for the uh, church renewal pastors. And I'll tell you about at least one big development in church renewal. So come expecting answers to prayer tonight. We're going to see answers coming out of tonight's prayer summit. Amen? Lord, thank you for this promise that you hear us when we pray. Amen.